the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots. I'm joined by my co-host, Don Dix. And, uh, you know, for some reason, we never run out of things to talk about on our radio show. We really need to expand this to three two hours. hours. Three, three hours. hours a day. Would three hours. Three hours a day. Work. Yeah, but we'll have our own show. But until we get those sponsors, we'll have to try to fit in as much as we can in in one hour. Certainly, in this past election, uh, things did not go very well for the Republicans, and there's a lot of reasons for that. The the, the basic strategic reasons being. Mass uncontrolled immigration, illegal and illegal, and the mass indoctrination that's going on in the government-run schools and universities. But there's other reasons. And uh, one of the organizations that we've supported and worked with, the Election Integrity Project of California, has documented the near total lack of any election integrity and reliability in California. And our, many of our, from my group and others, have been doing poll watching over the years and filling out reports of all the problems they see. And our, our guests today, Linda Payne and Ruth Weiss from the Election Integrity Project of California, put that information to good use. They got Judicial Watch to file a lawsuit against California and Los Angeles County to force them to comply with the law. Imagine that. The government has to comply with the law, and they've just won a huge settlement that's going to make them comply with the law, the registrar of voters and the secretary of state, and as according to law, remove inactive voters from the voting roll because there's, the voting rolls are padded, and that creates the opportunity for vote fraud. And, and these two, both of these ladies have been totally dedicated for years to this project oh, of, they trying, have been. Of, of trying to... Uh, Restore some level of election integrity in California, and congratulations! Welcome to the show, and congratulations on your big win. Thank you. And I think that it also needs to be added that since you guys established the Election Integrity Project, I think starting back in 2010, your dedication, your persistence, your professionalism, the effort that you have gone to to recruit and train volunteers that have watched polls all across the state, that diligence, that professionalism has indeed in a big way finally paid off with a vic- court victory uh, that Judicial Watch uh, helped obtain for you guys. Before we get into that victory, I just want to step into the Wayback Machine a little bit here and go back to a Sacramento Bee article that appeared last year. It was August 9th of 2017 when Judicial Watch was right about the time that Judicial Watch was filing this lawsuit. And the headline of this article says more voters than eligible adults group makes a dubious claim about California. And I guess, in the as you're going to share with us, the fact that the court 
sided with you and with Judicial Watch that there were indeed more eligible, uh, uh, I'm sorry, more registered voters than uh, individuals of voting age, suggests that Mr. Dubious actually showed up at the court proceedings. He probably voted, too. He probably did. Take us through uh, here as we uh, just let people who aren't aware of this victory tell us what the Judicial Watch lawsuit was about that they they led your lawsuit. What was it about and what does this victory obtain for us here in California? Well, the lawsuit was about the federal law, the National Voter Registration Act, Section 8 requirement that every state and every county ensure uh, good maintenance of their voter roll database. And California has not been in compliance with that law since it was passed. And in fact, through the court case, um, it was proved that California has not removed even uh, one uh, person from the voter list for over 20 years. And that is why our research um, was proving that the blo- the voter rolls were bloated. So this was a huge, huge win, for, uh, not only for California, but for the nation when it comes to a presidential election. Uh, we put a press release out in 2017 regarding our research in the, in the data, and um, we showed that the statewide uh, list was three to four million more uh, than than the number of people eligible to vote. And L.A. County alone was over a million. When we put the press release out, we got a call from Judicial Watch um, who uh, knew that there were problems in California. But in order to actually file a successful lawsuit, there had to be someone within California um, who they could work with. And so not only did they find someone who had been harmed, which included the four citizens on the case, but they found this citizen organization, um, all volunteer working massive hours, proving that the rules had created problems for six years up to the point they had called us. We're now going into our ninth year. So it, it is huge because when you have three to four million people on voter rolls that are not eligible to be there, they become what is called inactive. And an inactive uh, voter is uh, can still be uh, is someone who can still uh, vote because all all that has to happen is that they are um, moved from the lonely backup. They're they're le- they're not legitimate registrants, but they're still eligible to vote by virtue of not being removed from the voter roll database. They simply move them from one column to the other, and it's so easy to to do that by simply sending a voter. Um, information and a vote-by-mail ballot to a post office box where they can be harvested by someone, uh, voted, and then put in the mail or turned in to the registrar's office. And once that happens, the inactive registrant becomes active again. So if that name doesn't belong to someone, it doesn't matter. Once it's active, it can be uh, voted through a vote-by-mail ballot. Can they also just show up on election day? Uh, you know, if uh, if Fred Flintstone is registered to vote in L.A. County and hasn't voted in in, in ten years, can someone just show up at the, at the polling place and say, "Hi, I'm Fred Flintstone. I want to vote." You know, they can if they have uh, if they can show uh, an address. That's all that's needed to vote with a provisional ballot is someone to say, 
I didn't get my, my ballot. My name is Fred Flintstone. And, and usually it's not a Fred Flintstone. It's usually truly a name. It's the name of a deceased person who's still on the voter rolls. Um, it's the name of someone who is duplicated or someone who moved. If they're, if they're not moved, if they're moved, if they're not removed from the active to the inactive, then those names, even though they're not real people, they're deceased or duplicated, they go on the check-in rosters in every polling location where the name and address is visible to all who go to the polling location. So really all someone has to do is uh, go to the first clerk and, and uh, hand a piece of paper over that has a name and an address of one of the people listed on the street index, and that name and address is processed. The person impersonating that voter doesn't even have to say a word because they, they just uh, get a ballot at the end of the line and they vote that ballot. And we began identifying this in 2012. So this has been a long-time issue um, that, that we've tried to get fixed um, and it's been ignored until now. We are at the end of our time for this segment. As we close out, though, I thought it would be worth you sharing very briefly. The judge in this case was not at all impressed with what the state uh, presented in their defense and in fact stipulated that there would be ongoing uh, that, that, that the judge would continue to be involved yes uh, yes um, in fact the um, the judges uh, in the agreement requires that the courts will stay involved so basically in the terms of the settlement uh, Mr. Badia and Mr. Logan are required to make regular reports of their corrective actions and results. And then the progress and compliance will be subject to enforcement by a federal judge and validated by EIPCA uh, research. And this is also huge, and it speaks to uh, the importance of our documentation. A judicial watch will get reports, um, and they will uh, give them to us. Um, I'm going to see what we can what can be done for us to also get a copy of the report since it is EIPCA who will actually do the research. But we do not have to file a new case should we see that they are, in fact, not complying with the agreement. Uh, we can take our documentation, our reports directly to the court and um, they can take action on it immediately. That's a big deal. Let's close out this. Let's extend ourselves a little more on this segment. Let's end so we understand exactly what the settlement is. You've reached a settlement in your lawsuit, whereby the L.A. County and the Secretary of State are going to be re- actually required to comply with the law and remove, it, these, after a certain period of retirement pro- provided by statute, remove the inactive voters. They have to send out postcards, and if they don't get a reply back, then the law requires that that, inactive voter be removed from the voter rolls. Uh, do I have that all correct? Right, that's correct. Okay, and you, you figure just in LA County, there's going to be there's 1.5 million, and you said before, 3 to 4 million statewide. Right. And there's not a speci- in the settlement, there's not a specific time limit for when the state and LA County are going to accomplish those tasks. Well, actually, it says immediate. So, so what this right? So, what this means is Logan uh, is to immediately begin to follow federal mandates for identifying and removing the deceased, those who have moved, and other ineligible registrants um, from the LA County voter rolls. Then the settlement also requires Alex Padilla, Secretary of State, 
to see that similar actions are taken by each county registrar throughout the California. So we've highlighted in the press release um, L.A. County because L.A. County alone is um, so large. Its uh, population base is um, uh, is larger than 41 uh, states of the 50 states. So it's a really big deal nationally that L.A. County is being forced to clean up their voter rolls because in a federal election, L.A. County alone could change the the possibility of who's elected to president. Mm-hmm. All right. This is, this is a great victory, but as we're going to discuss in our next segment, we have not yet restored election integrity in California, and there are still many vulnerabilities and opportunities for election unintegrity. That's not a quite word, but close enough. After this word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. More with Linda Payne and Ruth Weiss of Election Integrity Project California after this message. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM 590 The Answer. Licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747, NMLS and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. AM 590, The Answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Here on the Unite Inland Empire Radio Show, we try to feature the uh, topics that are uh, crucial for residents of California to understand about what is unfolding politically. Right now, we have on the phone with us Ruth Weiss and Linda Payne of the Election Integrity Project, who have just notched a huge victory for uh, uh, voters here in California by forcing the state and the largest counties in this state to start doing what federal law has mandated them to do. That's a huge victory, but yet we're not done. As you said, Greg, um, we're, we're a long way away from ensuring election, ultimately true election integrity. And there's a brand new law that is uh, going to be implemented. Uh, I believe that's correct. But Ruth Weiss is going to give us a briefing on a new law that essentially require, or I think requires, correct me if I'm wrong, individuals to vote by mail we're moving to a a an era where the state and counties want people to vote by mail and that's the essence of this law is that right ruth in in a manner of speaking yes actually um this effort to get everyone to vote by mail began in 1998 when california removed the uh the offer of an absentee ballot and replaced it with a, a permanent vote by mail 
at the discretion of whoever wanted to do it and push the easy button. But we know from research and from two presidential commissions that the vote-by-mail ballot is the number one tool for fraud in the nation. And as a result, um, trying to convince people to vote that way um, has been very effective because people are always going to you know, go for what's easier. And as a, as a matter of fact, we're now over 50% in the state of California. At that point, now this law has been enacted. It's called the Voters' Choice Act. And what it does is give each county the choice to in, invoke this law or not. At this point, it's still a county choice. But we know that pretty soon there are going to be problems uh, down the line with financing to where counties will be forced into accepting this, whether they want to or not. Once you decide to, to be a Voters' Choice Act county, and we have five pilot counties in 2018, L.A. County will be coming on in 2020 and probably some others. What that requires that county to do is to mail a vote-by-mail ballot to every single individual on their voter roll, whether they've requested it or not. You can see how one of the first issues is going to be when we have voter rolls that are still not clean, all these ballots that have no real destination at the other end are going to be flying around and easy to harvest. You put that together with a new ballot harvesting law, and you have a, a total recipe for disaster. What's going to happen is that the counties are required to set up to remove the, the precincts, the local precincts where you just walk down the street and, and vote there. Instead, they will establish vote centers, one for every 60,000 people in the county, and those vote centers will be open for 11 days up to and including Election Day. And you can go to those vote centers, and this is the, the piece that's missing in the, in the voter education of the counties that have piloted so far is that the vote center is intended to be a place where you can go and vote in person. You don't even have to surrender your vote by mail ballot because they will have uh, an up-to-date online interactive uh, voter roll, uh, you know, online so that they will be able to tell whether you voted or not by mail. And if you haven't, then they will just cancel your vote by mail ballot and you can vote in person. But they, they left that element out for people. And so people get this feeling that, oh, well, they sent me a ballot. I've got to use this one. But people are still uncomfortable just mailing their ballots in for the most part. So they have been using these vote centers as just a, a giant mailbox, and they all went the last day. So our reports from, at least from Sacramento County, is the vote centers were empty for 10 days, and then on the 11th day they were overwhelmed, and they didn't even have places to put ballots because so many people came in on the last day. So as counties go onto this vote center model, the important thing is for people to understand why and how dangerous it is to turn in a vote-by-mail ballot. Regardless of how you turn it in, in the processing, it can be manipulated. So what we want people to do is understand that they can go to this vote center, any vote center in their county, any time in those 11 days, vote in person, and retain that ability to, to cast a vote that's more secure. What are some of the other opportunities for vote fraud and lacking in election integrity in California that you've uncovered in your investigations? The provisional ballot is a huge issue because uh, people can just overwhelm that system. They can go in and ask for a provisional ballot, and, and then they fill out that envelope with information that may be from someone that they have um, impersonated off the voter list. And we do know that because of the number, the growing number of absentee ballots that are being processed, the counties have much less time at the end of that canvas period, which is a finite ending 30 days after the election is held, that they have so little time left 
to process the provisional ballots. They don't have time to give them the scrutiny that they need to give them in order to make sure that ones that should not get through won't get through. And so we have the sense that as this proceeds with more and more ballots coming in an envelope, that the handling and the processing has to, by virtue of time limits, be more careless and therefore more votes that should not ever be accepted will get through the system. Yeah, once again, so anybody can walk into a polling place, and whether it's their designated place or not, and say, hi, I'm so-and-so who's on the voter roll, maybe hasn't voted in five, ten years, and they'll give them a provisional ballot. And the only verification later on is, is that someone's going to very quickly look at the signature on the ballot, on the, on the envelope or the ballot, and versus the original signature when they may have registered 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years ago. And that's very, it's done very quickly. And even if it's being done honestly, it's being done very quickly. And that's the only verification of whether that was a legitimate vote and whether that was the real voter who voted it. Well, you've touched on several things there. First of all, the law re- requiring them to match signatures requires them to err liberally in favor of the voter. That's the wording in the law. So it's almost impossible to throw something out if you can find even a one-point match. And so, in, especially in some counties, it gets to be a bit of a joke to assume that they're uh, doing those signatures at all. But you also mentioned that, that we do not have voter ID. And so I can walk into any polling place and give them the name and address of someone on the voter rolls in that reg- that registration list. They don't have to to ask me to prove that that's who I am, even if they know personally that's not who I am, they have to give me that ballot. And it won't even be a provisional ballot. It will be an, a same-day, non-retrievable ballot that I can cast in someone else's name. And I can do that multiple times by simply looking at the list outside the, the polling place and grabbing someone's name and address off of it, walking in and saying, this is who I am. I could cast a lot of votes in one single day simply by doing that. And there's so there are no- just so many opportunities for fraud in California because of the lack of voter ID. Not, only, not only that, there are, I mean, you mentioned 30 days. As far as I know, Riverside, as well as many of the other ROVs, were pushed to the limit to get votes counted. Can you imagine if everyone in just our county, Riverside County or San Bernardino County, is sending in these vote-by-mail ballots, the system gets overwhelmed. We monitored it and saw how really loose the whole verification process is. At the time, you can't even look over the shoulder of people to make sure they're doing a good job. And we believe that's likely somewhat intentional uh, to make sure that a lot more ballots that actually shouldn't be counted get counted because, we, again, using the term overwhelming the system, Um, Their intention, though, in asking everybody to vote by mail is that people will turn their ballots in rather consistently throughout that 29-day period before Election Day, and then they won't be so overwhelmed. But voters are not comfortable voting 29 days ahead of time. Voters are not comfortable putting their uh, ballot in the mail. And the results have been so far that voters wait until the last minute. They do turn them in on Election Day, and so they do become overwhelmed because those 29 days ahead of time are not really very active in terms of having ballots to process. In addition, we have this vote harvesting law that came in, and all of those ballot harvesting or those ballots that were harvested are likely to be turned in on Election Day because you have to be very close to Election Day in order to convince a voter that, oh, well, you know, you're not going to have time now 
to turn in your own ballot, so let me do it for you. So until we get rid of that, we're going to have a, a system that's overwhelmed from Election Day on. We are almost out of time here. Could you ladies stay with us for one more second? We want to talk about what your plans are next, how to try to bring some more election integrity to California. Could you maybe stay with us? Absolutely. Great. As they say in radio, don't touch that dial. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM 590 The Answer. Licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747, NMLS 9873, and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire Radio Show, the show for the most important political office, that of private citizen, one of the most important organizations here in California. It is working overtime, seriously, daily, even though uh, we vote every other year. Election Integrity Project as an organization works daily, sometimes around the clock, to research what's actually happening at that all-important day of election. Laws are being passed that need to be monitored. Uh, Results from elections need to be reviewed. And that's not all. Now, we're going to cover a few of the other uh, issues with California's elections. Then we're going to get into a little bit about what the EIP is going to be doing over the next couple of years and how the folks who are listening to this show can help. Before we touch on what you're going to do, there's two other areas of vulnerability in, for election integrity in California. One is the automatic registration of people who go to DMV and get a driver's license. And at the same time, DMV is giving out driver's licenses to illegal aliens. And the new law that went into effect in 2018 that anybody can show up on election day and register to vote at the polling place. And their vote is the most likely counted. Well, so, so let's touch on the issue of the DMV. Um, we know from our research uh, in both the primary and the November election that the the DMV system, the new motor voter uh, system, is not is not working properly. We know there were huge issues that even made it into the papers, where um, the uh, clerks were not uh, closing their screen and to register the next person who came to the. To, the, to their window, and so people were, uh, their registrations were changed virtually by going to the DMV and uh, registering their car or renewing their driver's license. You know, and the challenge with the, the motor voter um, when they were discussing it back in 2015 is we wrote a position paper on that as well, laying out all of our concerns with the weakness of using the DMV to handle registrations. And not only did we do that, but the DMV also uh, told them that they were not equipped to handle this. They didn't have the software 
or the security to handle it. Uh, bottom line, it was passed anyway, and it has been a problem ever since. Um, but our research in the data that we have access to um, it indicates there are problems not only with the DMV, but with our vote count system. So when you have software glitches um, and, and proper beta testing that wasn't done, you, you've got the, the number one way that we vote and that the voter registrations are maintained are on systems that are not functioning properly. Um, our concern is, you talked about the illegals, our concern is uh, really a broader picture of non-citizens, both legal and illegal. Um, when they get driver's licenses, if they don't speak the language well, and they're not told that when they get their driver's license that that information is going to register them to vote, uh, they end up being added to the voter rolls without their knowledge. This is a huge problem for people who are not citizens and here legally. Uh, many who are applying to become a citizen, uh, if they ended up being registered to vote without their knowledge, and then, of course, the voter information is mailed to a post office box and someone votes in their name, they still don't know that they've been registered to vote and have been voted for. When their paperwork reaches the federal level of scrutiny, it will be determined that they were registered to vote in California and voted. But not only will they not get their um, citizenship, but they are likely to be deported. And we, we indicated that even when they were discussing the, the bill. So what has to happen is we probably need a uh, legal action to even have access to the DMV data. EIPCA has not been able to have access to that uh, data. And uh, in fact, the Secretary of State doesn't have access to that data. So there really is no, no um, organization, or uh, federal or private, that is able to match the DMV data with the California data to see how many people were inadvertently added to the voter roll. So that's one of our next steps. Uh, we're likely going to need legal action to force the uh, ability for us to review that data and, and um, figure out how they, how they handle it, especially because people are being added without their knowledge. Um, the second thing is uh, we're going to have to go to Congress. One of the, the big issues that's taking place is that the federal bills, the Help America Vote Act and the National Voter Registration Act, were passed at a time when non-citizens, legal or illegal, were not getting uh, driver's licenses. Um, and there are some other issues within the federal laws that create a problem. For instance, Section 7. Um, Section 7 requires every government office that provides services to include a voter registration. So if you're a person who goes to get help, whether you're a citizen or not, you're going to get a packet of information that includes a voter registration. That includes HUD housing, uh, food stamps, uh, medical services. So potentially you could be filling out a voter registration three times or, or more. So if you're someone who doesn't understand the language, you're just gonna fill out every document that you need because you're wanting to get help for your family. And if someone is manipulating that system, then it's through a required Section 7 of the federal law that makes it possible to manipulate voter registration um, to, to vulnerable people who are needing help. So we need to address that, and that needs to be addressed at a national level. And uh, the other states who have uh, election integrity organizations, we are uh, planning 
to see if we can set up a town hall with the president. We believe he needs to hear the truth about the weaknesses in the um, federal laws. Congress has to pass the changes, so it's up to Congress to fix it. Our concern is with this new Congress, there will not be a motivation to fix it. You think? (laughs) You think? (laughs) So it'll be up to the citizens to demand it. We're we're hoping that California citizens will be the first to become visible. Um, You know, we are the silent majority. We're also the invisible majority. Uh, We're angry about what's going on, and we do our best to go through the laws and get it changed properly. But most people don't really understand how hard California citizens have fought to correct the, the tyranny that is overwhelming the state, including the issues of our elections. So we'd like to see if we can pull together um, a game plan for citizens in California to start to become visible. Um, but, and we'll keep you posted for what that looks like. But there's already conversations with California and five other states uh, talking about not only a town hall with the president, but also a, a huge rally on the lawn in D.C., uh, probably in the spring when it's not so cold, uh, just but back, you know, like the 2009-10 rallies that happened back in that day. Um, we think California should have the largest contingency in a rally like that. We're calling it election integrity. Um, it's an election integrity movement that is really beginning to reawaken in the other states. And together, we, um, the voice of the citizens demanding that uh, integrity be restored to not just California, but every state in the union. Uh, and again, it has to start at Congress so that Congress doesn't give the states permission to pass these um, laws that have destroyed integrity. I'm, I'm sure Nancy Pelosi will get right on I, that. No doubt. Right. It sure seems like just a simple voter ID law could solve so much of what we've been talking about with you ladies. We're speaking to Linda Payne and Ruth Weiss of the Election Integrity Project, initially about their uh, victory, uh, despite what the Sacramento Bee said uh, as this being a dubious claim. Um you guys are also in the process of one of the, one of the big problems is, is if we as voters have issues, we have no way to get legal rec- representation to sue the state. What you guys are in the process of doing also as a remedy is setting up a public interest law firm like uh, the Pacific Justice Institute, like uh, the uh, so many others that that we even Judicial Watch that would specifically represent uh, issues relating to voter integrity. Um, Tell us a little bit about what that is. We've only got about a minute left here in this segment. Tell us a little bit about what that is and what we have to look forward to with that. Okay, just a clarification. Um, Because we are an evidence-gathering organization, we actually can't form that firm um, because there would be a conflict of interest. But because of the documentation we have, we've had communications now with attorneys who feel just as strongly as we do about the need for um, a firm that will be available to citizens to get to remedy the issues when they've been disenfranchised. So that is in the uh, process of being discussed and, uh, right now. Um, we have uh, lawyers who see the need for that. We have federal lawyers who are uh, anxious to work with a, a brand-new firm that is focused on election integrity and voter fraud issues who will help them move through federal courts. Uh, not all of these federal firms have uh, uh, the ability to function in every state, so they have to go to the federal courts. This would be a huge, huge benefit, not only to California, but the other states, because ev- whatever we win here in California 
will trickle to the other states and they will follow suit. So California, once again, uh, is uh, at the point of the spear in solving this issue of election integrity and voter fraud. And we're really going to ask citizens to follow us with uh, the progress of that, that this new firm will need funding. EIPCA is always desperate for funding um, to, to continue the work. Um, so both, this will, though they are two separate organizations, both will need funding to actually move forward and do what we need to do to take it to the next level and protect the 2020 election. And that's a good opportunity to mention your website where people can get more information and sign up for emails from your organization. That's at eip-ca.com, eip-ca.com. And I encourage everyone to do that because fundamentally to having a free country, to having a representative democracy, to having a republic is to have honest elections. So you may, your party, your candidate may win, may lose, but if you, if you believe there was a fair vote, there was an honest election, then you're going, okay, very, congratulations to the other side. We'll work harder next time. We'll get a better candidate. We'll change our platform a little bit to appeal to the voters. But when it's a corrupt system, like it exists in California, that's, you don't have to agree with that. It's my view of it. Then undermines the entire confidence in having a republic and a representative democracy because you really believe my vote doesn't count because the system is fraudulent, rigged, and corrupt. And we want to thank you, ladies, for everything you're doing and your many volunteers. I mean, you're just the people we talk to. But there are so many other hundreds or thousands of volunteers that have worked through your organization and gone out there and done the poll watching and provided the reports that were used and necessary to win this great victory you did. So just thank you for what you're doing, and I'm sure we're going to have you carrying on this conversation in the, uh, in the months to come. And as you have more things that you want us to do, we certainly want to come back and, and, and tell us about it. Okay. Well, we're uh, uh, thankful that to, uh, to be on your show and to – let people know what they can do and how to get involved. And we will definitely keep you abreast of developments and and actions that you can let people know what they can do to get involved. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Ruth, so much. Again, that website, election, uh, eip-ca.com. You can go there and fill out a... uh, uh, an interest form to get your name on their email list so that you can get their emails. And then most importantly, click the donate button. These ladies have worked so hard, have earned our uh, continued support. Thank you so much for what you do for us. And we will stay abreast and bring our listeners any new developments. Uh, we got to take a quick break and we'll be back with a conversation uh, about what's unfolding at the border. After this word from All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. Car Star, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock. 
on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. Before we move on to the most important issue, as Ann Coulter says, immigration, uh, the, uh, the Election Integrity Project of California, we just were talking to Ruth Weiss and Linda Payne from that organization. They have two meetings in the Inland Empire coming up. One is on Monday, the 14th at 10 a.m. at the Republican headquarters located at 24120 Jefferson Avenue in Temecula. That's 27120 Jefferson Avenue, Temecula. That's Monday, the 14th at 10 a.m. And the second one is on Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. at Mill Creek Cattle Company, which is where the Redlands Tea Party Patriots meet. And that's on a Tuesday starting at 6 p.m. And that address is 1874 Mentone Boulevard in Mentone. So we'd encourage you to attend attend either one of those meetings to get more information and connect with the Election Integrity Project of California. I can't emphasize how important it is to uh, attend these meetings because in as much as we covered uh, the victory that Election Integrity Project notched in their Judicial Watch lawsuit against the state and L.A. County uh, and some of the other aspects of the bills that have been passed and what their plans are. There is so much more. We had a 45-minute briefing earlier in the week from Linda that covered uh, way more than we could get into on the radio. You'll hear about that. And this is a great opportunity. If you're hearing this on the radio show, bring people to these meetings because as many Californians as we can get get aware of what's going on with our elections, uh, the more important it is to... um, if we want yeah. honest elections, it's up to us to make sure that there are honest elections. And that begins with getting people to these yes. meetings in order to become aware of what's actually happening. Right. Speaking now, of what's actually happening. Immigration. And uh, I don't know about you, but I am still managing to survive the partial government shutdown. Oh, it's been a, such an inconvenience for me. I can't tell you how hard it's been to navigate around the fact that NASA – isn't quite operating well. The Department of Education is having issues. Um, and I could go on. It has totally encumbered my life. Yes, I, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, know, I, I don't know how I don't, we got along without him before. I don't know how much longer I can hold out. Yeah. But it's for a good cause. And for decades, the Washington politicians have refused to secure our border because they want open borders and unlimited immigration. The Democrats want more voters, and probably secondarily more clients for the welfare state, and Republican interests want cheap labor. And Donald Trump campaigned on stopping illegal immigration and building a wall, and he's thus far been thwarted by Congress. A lot of Republicans in Congress don't want the wall or to secure the border, and now he's drawn a line in the sand. And And good for him. Had a great speech this past Tuesday evening. Nine minutes, and if you haven't, see, if, you, if you didn't see it, it's worth looking up on the internet. He, he really laid out the case in in human terms and the statistics of the crime that's going on. Didn't get so much into the economic costs of illegal immigration, but that's huge, and it's often borne by the least advantaged Americans that have to compete with the cheap labor from foreign countries that comes here illegally and contrast that with the t- I thought was the wooden uh, speech by Pelosi and Schumer afterwards the crypt, saw, the crypt keepers right whose sole con- whose sole concern was government 
didn't care one iota about the American people and protecting them. Because it's also terrorists. If, if illegal aliens can walk across the border, so can terrorists. And 70,000 Americans died in t- last year from drug overdoses, and 90% plus of those drugs came across the border, and the Democrats and, a, and a, an embarrassing large number of Republican members of Congress and the ruling class care not one iota for those people as long as they can achieve their selfish political and economic a- aims. So good for Donald Trump, but Donald Trump can't do it alone. We need to back him up. One of the things I really enjoyed about his talk at the end was the call to action. Call your congressman. Call every congressman. Call the White House. Call the senators. Call everybody and let them know how important this wall is. The left has developed a narrative that the wall is immoral and it's medieval. We need to remind them. That up until uh, that in 1990, the San Diego sector arrested more than 560,000 illegal immigrants coming in on a daily basis for that year. 560,000. That was the first sector to get what you could characterize as a barrier. Happens to be a combination of those uh, airport uh, runway surplus uh, from the Vietnam War, the corrugated steel that they would lay down to build their runways and fencing. But it's a it's a dual structure. After that was implemented, the San Diego sector reduced the number of people coming in down to 70,000. And in 2015, only 26,000 people were arrested. I say only because that's still a big number. Mm hmm. But down from a half a million people crossing yearly. That's not a very secure barrier. I mean, that's a barrier, but it's not a very secure one. You see these the illegal aliens climbing over it. Israel's wall, on the other hand, has reduced illegal crossings by more than 99%. So walls, walls work. And that's why rich politicians like Obama and Pelosi and others have walls around their homes, and Donald Trump made a great point, I thought, in his, in his, in his talk. He says that they build walls, and it's not because they hate the people on the outside. It's because they love the people on the inside. And the same thing applies to our country. We love the people. We don't hate Mexicans. We don't hate the people from Honduras. But if they want to come here, they have to come here legally. And we, want, we love our fellow Americans. We love our country. We want to protect our fellow Americans and our country. And we've, there are so many examples. Corporal Ronald, Ronald Singh, one of the most prominent recent examples. Our friend, Agnes Gibney, whose son was murdered by a previously deported illegal alien. All of these Americans would be alive today if we enforced our immigration laws. And it's it's high time that we do it. There's a great article. We'll close on this because one of the things that we are seeing repeated over and over and over again is that the Democrats, the political left, has shifted on this issue. There's a great article that appeared in The Atlantic. I would never have believed it would have been The Atlantic, but it appeared in the August 2017 issue. The title of this is How Democrats Lost Their Way on Immigration. 
This liberal author said the myth, which liberals like myself find tempting, is that only the right has changed. In June of 2015, we tell ourselves Donald Trump rode down his golden escalator and pretty soon nativism, long a feature of conservative politics, engulfed it. But that's not the full story. If the right has grown more nationalistic, the left has grown less so. A decade ago, liberals publicly questioned immigration in ways that would shock many progressives today. It's the left that has made the shift. They've realized that the uh, future of the Democrat Party is directly linked to bringing new bodies into the United States. Yes, illegal immigrants do, and immigrants in general do what Americans won't do. Vote Democrat. Exactly right. So when you hear those quotes by Chuck Nancy, Hillary Clinton, and Barack Obama extolling the virtues of good border security, which includes a wall. Just remember where the Democrats were a scant five to ten years ago. They've they've changed. That's going to do it for us. Another edition of the Unite Inland Empire radio show. Tune in every week at four o'clock and we'll bring you the most current issues that you need to know about every week. Back next week. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.